lastly, before I get into the message this morning, I just want to also uh, join with Brother Derek and the rest of us as we pray for Haiti. I really want us to continue to lift that nation up. They always bear the brunt of all the so-called natural disasters. It's almost like every other year or every three years, something will just happen. One. For a nation that's already not as wealthy as the United States, it's difficult when you don't have the resources to just cope with those kind of disasters. But this way I'm going with that. When you look in the scriptures, every time there's a disaster like that, for instance, in Egypt, where they killed all the young, young, uh, young male, it's always because God has a destiny for that nation or that people. And the enemy will want to seek to destroy the seed before God, before God can bring it to the harvest forth. Are you guys following what I'm saying? Yes. So other than sending money to Haiti, praying for Haiti, which we must do, we also need to focus our prayer on the fact that Haiti is awakened to her God-given destiny. That's what's going to turn this around. So can we just rise up one more time and just send that prayer forth that believers in Haiti, churches in Haiti, rather than just allow the enemy to just, we just go in, every time they say disaster, we rush over there, we rush over here, we put down fires everywhere. Can we just pray that God will open up the eyes of the understanding of the church to come to a place of recognition, a place of awakening. What is God calling Haiti to do? What is the call of God upon Haiti for which the enemy wants to destroy her? How must Haiti position herself? God word. So that the blessings of God can come downward upon Haiti. Yes. And so, Father, as a congregation of faith, we join together with our brothers and sisters in Haiti. We know that you brought them forth for your own glory and your pleasure. We know that nothing happens by accident. You created them. They are your creation. And therefore, your delight and your pleasure. And the enemy has sought to destroy and devastate them for time immemorial. For whatever the reason is, you said in your word in John chapter 12 verse 32, that if you be lifted up, you draw all judgment unto yourself. And therefore, there should be no longer any judgment upon Haiti. And so, Father, we stand in a gap right now in the name of Jesus and we pray that the scales will be removed from, lifted from off of our eyes that we will behold the beauty of Haiti and what you've already reserved for them in your economy and your kingdom. That Haiti will come to recognition of whatever this is and they begin to walk in it. In the name of Jesus, we align Haiti properly with God's plan. In the name of Jesus. And we thank you that the enemy will not succeed in destroying this land. Thank you, Father. 
Because you are a great God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We've been speaking for several weeks now on the grace-powered worship. And we are now at the point of the acceptable worship. We said there are several things or several ways in which we can offer worship that's acceptable to God. Number one, we said we can treat one another kindly or well. And that when we treat each other well, we worship God. Number two, Brother Larry brought this message to us a couple of weeks back. That when we give, we give in such a way that pleases God and our giving becomes worship. Now, on those first two points, I'm hoping that we are making the adjustments in our relationships. I really hope that we're not just hearing, but we're becoming doers of the word. You are making progress. You are making adjustments on how you relate one to another because you now realize that in treating one another well, it's acceptable to God and it's worship. And secondly, that in our giving, we're not just giving carelessly. We're not just giving out of necessity. We're giving because we know that giving is our lifestyle and therefore when we give, we give as worship unto God. And then last Sunday, I started on point number three, Ephesians chapter five, verse eight. Let me read it, and then we're going to pull up from there to there. Ephesians chapter five, verse eight. It says, For you are once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And what point I was making that message in that particular part was that our personal virtue or our personal holiness is also worship unto God. Now, I just want to bring our attention back to that verse again. Let's read it one more time. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. It says, for you are once darkness. Notice what it says. For all of you guys that studied English language, he did not say you are once in darkness. Do you notice that? He said you are once darkness, that you yourself were dark. And I'm not talking about black is beautiful. He said you are once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Now this is important. Do you understand the, the, not, I won't even call it a play of words. This is truth. He did not say that you are now in light. Just as he did not say you are in darkness, it's not saying that you are in light. It's saying you are light, of course, in the Lord. So if anybody's looking for light, we shouldn't have to go to Walmart or Home Depot to buy a bulb. They should just look at me and look at you and see light. I'm saying this deliberately and slowly because I want you to get this. this is, we're going to camp in this area next month for a long time. I'm just mentioning it now in passing under worship. But I'm telling you, everything that deals with Christianity rests upon the act, 
upon this truth that you recognize who you are. This is it. Every per perversion, every problem, every sickness, everything that happens to us can be traced back to this issue. You are once darkness. Now, may I ask you a question? What did you do to become darkness? Is it because you were born in a, 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 a Kumasi, Ghana, where you are very, very dark, black, 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 charcoal black? Is that what makes you blackness? No. No. The only qualification to be in darkness was you were just born. You didn't choose the place of your birth. You did not choose your parents. You did not choose the date. You just be. Am I correct? Correct. Likewise, he said, for you are once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So if you did not do anything to be darkness, what did you do to be light? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Yes. Listen, the things we've been saying over these past few weeks, well, really, almost years now, to be, to be honest, I'm praying that we not just hear them and be hearer only. I'm praying that God will allow you and I to hear them and hear them yes. in our hearts. Because I'm telling you, this will totally liberate you. For you are once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now, because you are light in the Lord, look at the next sentence. Walk as children of light. Give me verse 9, please. It tells you what that looks like. What does it look like to walk as children of light? For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness. Not goodness, I didn't go. Goodness, <laughs> righteousness, and truth. In other words, in other words, these three things, at least as, as far as Ephesians 5 9 is concerned, should be seen in all of our, all of, all of our lives. Why? We are light. Every time I see you, coach, there should be goodness, righteousness, and truth. I shouldn't have to think about it, they should be automatic because that's what light is. Amen? Now, nah. I closed the service last Sunday by showing us the distinction between the caterpillar and the butterfly. Do you guys remember that? Yes. I showed you how the caterpillar and the butterfly are the same DNA. But when you look at them, you could not tell that they belong to one another at all because the caterpillar crawls on the ground eats leaves whereas the butterfly flies and sucks nectar. Could be, could be more different. I mean, they, they are so different when you look at them. And yet, they are of the same DNA. So I want to take you from that point this, this morning because I want to really help us to understand that living right with God is not contingent on you Hear what I'm about to say? Being right. Correct. 
I'm going to let that butterfly fly. If you are waiting to be right, to do right, to be, to be right, you, it will not happen. However, living right for God can become automatic when you, become, when you really truly know who you are. Yes. Now, when we use that language, knowing who you are, it sounds crazy. How can I not know who I am? You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and that in itself is very confusing sometimes to try to explain that I need to know my identity. Who here will say they don't know who they are? Coach, are you a Japanese? No, sir. Japan. You are, you are Japan. You know, he says he's not a Japanese. Because he knows it and knows it and knows it and knows it. He can say that just like that. Now, give me Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 in the message translation. Romans chapter 6. Verses 1 and 2 in Shina Adeyemi's translation. Look at what it says. Remember how we got here. The issue here is personal virtue and holiness. The Bible says when you and I live right, when we live and walk in holiness and have personal virtues, God is worshipped. Romans chapter 6 verse 1, message. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so that God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. Amen. Absolutely not. Now look at the next verse. This is huge when I saw this. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Woo! Let me read that again. If we have left that country where sin is sovereign, in other words, sin just rules. Sovereign. It rules over everything. If you love that country though, how can we still live in our old house there? Okay, let me unpack that. I was born in Nigeria. I lived in a city called Ibadan. And then I was, I was upgraded and moved to Lagos. I came to the United States from Lagos. I know the address. As I'm standing here talking to you, I'm seeing the house now. I can picture the house. Not only can I picture the house, I remember the room that I lived in, in that house. But because I left that country, in spite of the remembrance of the house, once I got to the airport in Lagos and left, yeah. I can no longer be in the house. Why? I have departed. Correct. Yes. This is the beauty of it. Yes. While I was there, I lived with certain limitations. Yes. Power failure. 
no pipe born water. Internet did not work. Phones did not work. Roads were not good. Schools were a disaster. Are you following what I'm saying? But once I left the country, I do no longer have to worry about power failure. I do no longer have to worry about lack of good roads. Are you getting the message? The only thing that happened is I just left. When I left, I did not have to come here to create power. I did not have to come here to create internet. I did not have to come here to create roads. It was already done. I'm just participating in the blessings of the new land in which I'm living in. Automatically. It did not require anything of me to enjoy the blessings of it. It is totally, completely automatic. Why? Because I changed location. Now, I still have, I'm not signer. Therefore, I still remember Lagos. I remember the smells. I remember the dust. I remember the wildness of the place. I have the remembrance of all those things. But they no longer affect me. Why? I'm living above it. Because I've changed my location. Shina Adia Mistranslation says, if we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in the old house there? Go on. Next verse. Or did you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened at baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of where? Oh, no, 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 no. Where did you enter? The new country of where? A new life. In a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. Yes. Woo! Yes. Is it not that simple? Simple. Did you understand that illustration? Yes, sir. It worked. So the Bible says you are once darkness. Yes. But now you are light in Christ, in the Lord. Therefore, because you are light in the Lord, you don't have to sweat it. You don't have to toilet. You don't have to really apply your own strength. No, it's not by might, not by power. These things are already packaged, programmed in you because you are now light. You should be able to live out the fruit of light. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. The problem is we don't know who we are. 
That's the problem. We hear who we think we are, but it has not really sunk into our heart as to who we really are. So we're constantly going back to the whole country. Constantly trying to get back the old lifestyle. Constantly trying to nurture that old system that does not work. And we become frustrated. Now, let's take it further. Because we need to get this. We really need to get it. Go with me to Matthew chapter 8. In verse 29. Because what you and I are trying to get, demons and Satan, they know this only too well. Matthew 8, 29. And suddenly, they cried out saying, who's they that cried out? Demons. What have we to do with you? Jesus, you the son of God. Now, if you don't understand context, you see this, it does not really register. Because all this while, Jesus has been teaching, showing the Jews and the Hebrews that he's the son of God. And they don't believe him. You didn't hear what I just said. I said, all this while, Jesus has been trying to convince the Jewish nation that he, Jesus, is the son of God. And they don't believe him. But demons, what have we to do with you, Jesus? You, the son of God. Wow, they recognize that. What he's been trying to teach the church for three years, the church didn't get it. They didn't catch it. They didn't believe it. They did not understand it. But demons knew that Jesus is the son of God. Not only that, they said to him, have you come here to torment us before the time? So not only did they recognize that he is the son of God, they recognized his authority over them. Yes. I am telling you our problem is an ID problem. Look at the next verse. Verse 30. Now, a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. Next verse. So the demons did what? No, 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 no. You didn't say that in the Bible. What did they say? Why is it that you and I are begging demons? Why are we wasting time trying to speak to demons through in deliverance when the Bible says demons were begging him? Oh my goodness. I need to take off my jacket. We don't know who we are. Because when they saw the Son of God, the Son of God didn't have to beg them. The Bible says the demons begged him. If you can cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of the swine. Demons were begging for permission. Yes. When you know who you are, you are not begging demons. You are commanding them. In Luke 10, 18, the Bible says, Jesus has sent out his disciples, given them power and authority over demons, 
They went out there, they cast out demons, and they came back all excited. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Wow, it works. Even the demons were subjected to us in your name. Read it. What did Jesus say to them? Rejoice not. Oh, you want me to show it to you? Rejoice not. The demons are subject to you in my name. That's not what you should be rejoicing about. We have people write books about this deliverance, that deliverance. I mean, all kinds of books. Because what? Demons are subject to them. They've not read the Bible. Rejoice not. He says, rather rejoice that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, your rejoicing, your celebration should be in who you are. Your identity surpasses, trumps whatever, everything that's happening. We are rejoicing the wrong things because we don't know who we are. Because when you know who you are, when demons see you coming, they'll, t- they'll pick up race. Oh, you want me to show it to you in the book of Acts? Acts 19.15, please give it to me. Our problem is an ID problem. Acts 15. No, no, 19. Yeah, that's good. Watch this. Give me verse 14. Let's start from verse 14. You're still going to get out of here in good time. Don't worry. Watch this now. Acts 19 verse 14. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. Look at verse 15. And the evil spirit answered and said, what did he say? Jesus, I know. Oh, so the demon knows Jesus. No, 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 no. Coach, rejoice about that. I said, the demon knows Jesus. Yes, sir. But not just Jesus. If it was only Jesus, we'd be in trouble. Jesus, I know. Paul, a man like me and you, flesh and blood, the Pharisee of the tribe of Benjamin, Jesus, I know. Even Paul, I also know. But who are you? Jesus, son of God, yes. Paul is also a what? A child of God. Legitimate authority in God. I also know and recognize him. Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who you are? Because if we don't know who you are, the enemy is going to, is going to, man, he will eat you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and put you as dessert. Identity. Identity. Now, why can I be so confident about what I'm talking about this morning? Yes. Romans eleven sixteen. Romans eleven sixteen. Why am I so confident that once we get this, we can manifest the fruit of light? If the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. It's not a matter... The, 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 the lump does not have to do anything else. Do you understand that? Who is our first fruit today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus is the first fruit. There's no doubt about it. 
If the first food is holy, the lump is also holy. It didn't stop there. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. This is the point I'm making this morning. Don't allow your experiences to label who you are. That's why we're missing it. I'm a saint who sometimes err and sin. True. But I must never let the sin or the error or whatever happens in my life to label me and say this is who I am. No, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. You need to recognize that. And that has to become a part of you, who you are in your thinking, consciously. You need to understand that and believe that and receive that. That's the only way you're going to be able to live it out. If you don't believe it, you will never be able to live it out. What happens to us is we're in and out and in and out. I believe now, I don't believe now. I believe now, I don't. Therefore, there's no fruit. There's no fruit. You have to live here. He is holy, so I'm holy. You, that's, you have to come there. Yes. And just as when you are darkness, you produce fruit of darkness. Ultimately, when you camp at being light, you will ultimately, like the caterpillar, become the butterfly. All right. You produce. Because he's the one that's packaged you and made you so. Do we get that? Oh, yes. And so as children of light, we produce and walk in light. And when we do that, we bring worship that is acceptable to God. Why? Because we express the desire of God. What he desires, we express it. We do it. When we do that, we experience the blessings of God. Yes. And ultimately, because we expressed him, experience him, we exalt the living God. You express him, you experience him, and you're able to exalt him. Very consistent. I'm telling you, you start meditating on this. Your life is going to change. You start believing this and meditating on this, your life is going to make a change. There's no doubt about it. We're going to teach more on this in the weeks to come. So number one, we said we must treat each other better. Number two, as worship to God, we must give to the kingdom of God and to each other's needs. Yes. And number three, as children of light, we walk in light. Amen? Amen. Number four, and this is where I close today. I'm learning now. I can't give you guys too much at a time. Just give you a little bit at a time. No, seriously. Give you a little bit at a time. And I allow you to be able to digest it and walk in it before we move on to the next one. Yes. Number four, Romans chapter 15, verse 16. Romans chapter 4. No, Romans 15, 16. Romans 15, 16. Thank you, sir. Paul is speaking here. He said that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. All of that to say, Paul is saying, when I minister to the Gentiles, when I win the Gentiles, it becomes acceptable to God. Yes. Short form is saying soul winning. Evangelism is worship. Yes. 
Did you hear that? Yes. Evangelism, winning souls, is worship. Think about it. Think about it. The Bible says God does not wish that any should perish. He doesn't wish that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of his son. So if he does not wish that any should perish, when you and I walk together with him to make sure that his wish comes to pass, do you think he's blessed by that? Hello? Wow, why is he so quiet here this morning? I hope so. If there's an area that we have not done well in, is this area. And if we are going to be true recipients of God's grace, it cannot be a one-sided thing where we expect God to bless us, bless us, bless us, bless us, bless us, and we are irresponsible. Now, on the other hand, I do not want to make it a guilt strip to where we think, well, now, he's, he's told us we need to do this. Now, under obligation, as a duty, I'm just going to... No, that's not the point. Remember how all of this started? Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, for this is your reasonable service. So I want you to go back to how we started in order to understand how to move forward in this. So the point is this. I was once darkness. God in his mercy, in his love, reached down to me, brought me into light. And in so doing, I recognized, oh my God, I've been delivered from such a terrible death. Out of appreciation for what he has done for me, I now look at my next door neighbor, my friends at work, my brothers and my sisters, and I'm saying to myself, oh my word, I need to pass on the reason for my celebration. I'm all excited, I'm celebrating what God has done for me, but the rest of these guys, they don't have the same thing, and therefore, because I want them to enjoy what I'm enjoying, and now begin to share with them. Yes. Let, me, let me make it a little more plainer. Mr. Coach, yes, your next door neighbor, yes, if the house was burning and you know they were there, yeah. perhaps invalid, perhaps you know, maybe they just can't help themselves, would you, do, would you call the fire department? Yes, sir. Are you sure? The first thing. The first thing. Yeah. Oh, if there was anything you can do humanly possible, would you try to help? Oh, yeah. yes. Why? Are you sure? Yes, sir. You will do that? Definitely. Yes. Without thinking. Did you hear that? Yes. Next door neighbor in danger, he will do what he can to help them. Yes. Is there a greater danger than hell? Is there, I'm asking you a question. Is there a greater danger than somebody going to hell? Because in a natural, the instinct to reach out and help my neighbor is, born, is, is built in all of us. Yeah. You see a car accident on the road, it just happened, you're the first there, what do you do? You stop. Correct. 
Well, in certain places they don't stop. I guess I need to qualify that. But naturally, the inclination to help and be a good neighbor kicks in. Should the same thing not happen when we think of eternity? Folks, I don't want us to just receive and don't have the grace to give. Jesus said, freely you've received. Therefore what? Freely give. And the Bible says, because we do so, God is well pleased. This was the reason for John 24. No, John chapter 4, rather. John chapter 4, verse 23. That's why Jesus went to Samaria. He went to Samaria. Why? Because there was somebody there who needed help and who was a potential candidate for the kingdom of God. And he changed his entire itinerary to go through Samaria to reach that one person. Okay. I know many of us are not comfortable when it comes to evangelism. I get it. I understand that. For various reasons. But if I was to give you simple things that will help you today, do you think you would trust God to be a little more vocal in your faith? Yes. Good. Let's make it plain. The presence of Jesus can be seen in three areas, very simply, that will help us. That will help us. First of all, is it a 12? What time is it? 20 to 12. Wow. Hallelujah. Our prophesy, you guys will go home by 12 noon. <laughs> That's a prophecy. First of all, to show us how, how, how critically important this is for God. Luke 15. He gives us three stories. The story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and the story of the lost child. And in each of those stories, you saw the great length that was gone to in order to find the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. To help us to understand how critically important God is seeking to bring the lost back to himself. Amen? Now, three things that I saw the other day that's been very helpful for me that I want to share with us now on winning the lost. Number one, look for those in need. Now, in other words, the way we used to do evangelism, that's turn all of us off, forget that. Just, okay, let's do this. Go to, do it like this to your head and just take it off. The religious, old, traditional way of doing it, forget it. That's why we don't be able to do it. Going from door to door, knocking on door, are you born again? That's madness. It's madness. Okay? But if you just do this, First of all, if you become sensitive to those in need around you. Why is that important? Because everywhere Jesus went, there was a need. Everywhere he went, he was meeting a need. So the point here is, if there's a need around you, be sensitive. Look closely in that area of that need. 
Because Jesus already got there before you got there. You can see this in Matthew chapter 25. I was naked. You clothed me. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was hungry. You gave me food. I was in prison. You came to prison. What's all of those are needs. And he said, in as much as you've done it for any of these ones, you've done it for me. Be aware. Be sensitive. Look for need on a daily basis. So this is what your prayer, like, prayer will look like in the morning when you wake up. You pray in the morning. Father, I thank you for another day. This is the day you have made. I'm glad that I'm rejoicing in it. I thank you, Father, that you open my eyes today to see the areas of need that you're already working at. That I, Bank Akimola, may join you at what you're already working at. Simple. Why is that a grace prayer? John 5, 19. Jesus said, I do nothing. I do absolutely nothing except what I've seen my father do. Not only that, in John 6, verse 44, he said, no one, say no one, repeat it. No one. Exactly. No one can come to the Father except the Father first draw them. So this business of going and knocking on doors, knocking doors down, and you know, harassing your neighbors, it's my, you're a nuisance. <laughs> if I became president, that would be the first law that I would pass. Get rid of the nuisances. No, I'm just teasing. Enjoy a little humor. Amen. Praise God. So look for needs. You've prayed in the morning or in the, at night. Whenever it is you pray. You've prayed. You've asked God. God, I want to be sensitive. Open my eyes to see where you are already at work. Why? God is already at work before you ever get there. Yes. You must understand that. No one can come to him except he draws them. Yes. He's drawing men and women all the time. We just don't know who they are. Yes. Number two. Number two. Focus on children. Yes. Anywhere where you see kids, Jesus is around. Ha, yeah, 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 yeah. Anywhere you see kids, Jesus is around. They're innocent. It's a suffer. The little children who come unto me. Don't disturb. Let them come to me. Let them come. So anywhere you find kids, Jesus is around. Now, you can also take that to say kids, to say people that are not developed properly, people that don't understand clearly, whatever way you want to do, develop it, that's fine. But the point here is, any place you find people who are vulnerable, Vulnerable. A child is vulnerable. A child depends on the adult for everything. So whenever you find people that are vulnerable, I bet you Jesus is at the door. Because he's a helper of the underdog. Always. Last and not the least. I've given you two things already, right? What's number one I gave you? Needs. Thank you. Thank you. Number two? If I had a dollar, I would give dollars out to everybody. <laughs> Last one. This is huge. I had to learn this myself. 
Jesus does not make appointments. Let me complete the sentence. Therefore, watch out for interruptions in your schedule. Jesus does not make appointments. Therefore, watch out for interruptions in your schedule. Things that normally rub us off the wrong way. Interruptions that come to your life that you didn't plan for. That become irritation. That's exactly where Jesus is at work. Okay, let's, 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 let's go to the Bible. Of course, don't take it for granted. Luke chapter 19, verse 5. Luke 19, verse 5. He doesn't make a, every, you look at his life. He did not do anything by appointment. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. You cannot find anything he did by appointment except to go to church on Sundays or Sabbath day. Luke 19, 5. But when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must start your house. Today. When did you make the appointment, Jesus? <laughs> Wait a minute, today. Do you mean next week? Today. today. Right now. Today. I should make haste. You're going to stay at my house today. today. Zacchaeus' life just became interrupted. Zacchaeus could say, Jesus, you, have to, you need to have more table manners. You should have more ethics. Don't you realize that you should let me know and call and give me a notice? Call my secretary. Don't you know you should call Revelation and make an appointment? Don't you know you should let me know so my wife can clean the house and prepare you a nice supper? The reasons go on and on and on and on. Whereas Zacchaeus' salvation was on hang. Yes. His salvation was on the line. Yes. Could Zacchaeus have known that? No. But by being open to the interruption in his day, the blessings of God came upon him. Yes. Are we getting the message? Yes. Give us a life example. Someone said they are coming to your house at 7 p.m. At 7 30, you've not seen them. At 8 o'clock, you've not seen them. And if you are me, Ben Kakimola, you are blowing fuses in your head already. <laughs> How dare they not be here at 7 o'clock? Now, am I saying being late is fine? No. What I'm saying is, when I don't see them, I need to now go back into my default. God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Yes. There you go. What are you up to, God? Why? Because all things work together for good. You cannot be selective. Them, them being late is not good. That's not what we're talking about. But the point I'm talking about making is in that lateness, that one hour of lateness, God is saying something to you that you've not heard if you were there at seven. So you redeem the lateness by keying into whatever God wants to do in that time of interruption. Yes. Huge. 
It just played out for, the, for us a couple of days ago. I don't know if I want to go into all that story because I have to be, I told you, I predicted 12 o'clock. Let me leave that alone, you know. But something just happened to me to play this out. Yes. God showed this to me on, on, the, on the morning, on the Monday morning. But Monday afternoon, an entire trip plan was, was already busted. Now, naturally, normally, I would have reacted negatively to the trip that was being canceled. Because I've bought tickets. But immediately I saw the cancellation in the evening. I remember what I read in the morning. I said, God, you're up to something. And I backed off. I backed off. Because now I realize the interruption is up is for God to do something else. And within three days, everything played out. Everything. Beyond what I could have thought, planned, everything. Bringing people together from different places. It's almost incredible. And the reason we must honor this and understand is because anything God does never begins with you. God is the initiator. He is the initiator. One more verse, and then we close. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Verse 41, 43. Luke 8, verses 41, 43. Thank you, sir. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. Now, did this guy give an appointment? No. He saw Jesus on the street. Please come to my house. Next verse. For he had only, he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, so immediately the man came to Jesus. Jesus did not say, you know, I have an appointment to go to, to, to Passover. No. No. The man's petition placed a demand on Jesus' time, and Jesus' went. Is that not correct? Correct. As he went. The multitudes thronged him. So first of all, Jairus didn't have an appointment, didn't have a uh, a, a schedule with Jesus, and Jesus was obliging him. So Jesus' time has been interrupted. Now he's on his way to Jairus' house. Next verse, verse 43. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who has spent all her livelihood on physicians, physicians and could not be healed by any. Next verse. Came from behind and touched the body of his garment, and immediately a flow of blood stopped. So he's on his way to Jairus to go meet a need. Somebody has intercepted him. So he's been interrupted once, and here again we see he's been interrupted twice. And out of both interruptions, something good came out of it. Wow. You you know the rest of that story. I won't beat that one to death. This is the point I'm making. God is pleased when you and I bring more sons and daughters to glory by sharing. 
by allowing and bringing others into the same celebration that we're already in. To make it easy for us to understand how Jesus moves and how we can partner with Jesus to make this happen. Number one, be sensitive to needs around you. Number two, focus where children are or those that are vulnerable. Number three, allow interruptions in your life. Now, let, let, me, let, me, let me clarify that because I don't want you to be careless. Now, you need to be at work at 8 o'clock, you go at 9 o'clock as an interruption. You'll you be applying for Tundelo to, to give you food to eat. That is, that, is, that, is, that is nonsense. That's not what we're talking about. Don't go to work tomorrow and say, I, I, I should be here at 7, but I'm going to come at 9.30 because my pastor said interruption. That is my... I didn't say any such thing. That's not what we're saying. You do all you can to make plans because the Bible says wise planning is good enterprise. However, after you've planned and things change and interruptions come, understand that God is at work. I'm not asking to be careless and foolish and don't make plans. No, that's not what you heard me say. Make plans in the spirit. Because God himself is a master planner. But I'm saying after you've planned all you can plan, Understand the element of interruption that Jesus has a final authority to change that schedule. Go read in the scriptures how many times Paul wanted to go to Rome and he could not go. Amen? Dr. Hamby, I was just with him last week. He did this in my presence so beautifully to the point I had to ask him. He picked me up from the airport took me to the hotel. He didn't just open the door for me to get out. He walked out with me to the desk. What do you call it? The front desk. Right. To the lobby. And said to the lady, oh man, I'm bringing you a man of God. This guy's traveled all over the world. Take care of him. Blah, 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 blah. I'm saying to him, oh, shut up. I don't there. <laughs> so when he now left, the lady engaged me. Why? Because the man has thrown some seed out there. The next morning, he came to the hotel to pick me up. I was having breakfast. And a total stranger was sitting far away from me. He shouted at me, greeted me, and went to the stranger. Hey, man, how are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. Again. So now, at this point, he did it last night, he did this morning. So I asked him, I said, what are you doing? Watch this. This is why I appreciate these men of God who are very, very deep in the spirit. He said to me, God has called me and you as kings and priests. Therefore, as a priest, you have a priesthood. Okay, let me break that down. As a priest, Ada, there are people in your constituency that God has already ordained that your priesthood will minister to. Therefore, you do not have authority to minister to Lola's priesthood. Each priesthood has a rule or rulership, or a domain. Yes. A sphere of authority. All right. And the only way you know who are those other than authority, you open your mouth. You say things. And based on the response you get, you are able to perceive this person has been given to me to win. Instead of all of us, I'm going to go win, win, win this, just go to a neighborhood and start knocking on the door. Do you have authority there? This is done in the spirit. But we must have spiritual perception to, want, to know what God has already done. 
It's 12 o'clock. Father, I want to thank you that you've enabled us to bring you acceptable worship through your son Jesus. We thank you for this privilege. God, that we're beginning to treat each other the way you treat us. We honor you in our giving. We thank you, Father God, that we're living out the life of virtue and holiness based upon the fact that we are children of light. That's who you've called us to be. We understand our true identity. We do not believe or receive. In fact, we reject anything else that labels us other than what you've called us. We are the children of God. Perfected, accepted, adopted, chosen, completed in the name of Jesus. And Father God, we bring you pleasure. Because out of our celebration of who we are, we bring you souls to your kingdom. Father God, empower us as we leave this place today. God, to have spiritual perception, to know those whom you've called under our priesthood, who respond to the grace of God that's upon our lives. Father God, open those doors. Thank you, Father God, that the doors are not only open, but we receive them, we walk through them, and we bring you honor, glory, praise, and adoration. Thank you, Father, for what you've done. We bless and we honor you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. 12 o'clock.